at the Hall of Justice. Hello, Sergeant B. Safe, Captain Chaos. I'm your new district attorney, Justin Case. Hello, Justin Case. Nice to meet you. Yes, it's a pleasure. I'm glad we're all on the same team. Yes, locking up bad guys. Let's go inside the courthouse and see the judge. We have bad guys to put away. You are absolutely right. Let's go inside and get to work. All rise. I am the Honorable Judge Mint. Good morning, Your Honor. Attorneys, present your closing arguments. I'm a defense attorney, Scott Free, and my guys didn't do it. The proof has been laid out, Judge. Sergeant B. Safe and Captain Chaos caught these guys red-handed. What you mean, red-handed? Order in the court! I find these three guilty on all counts. Ooh. Well, I'm out of here. I'm innocent. I didn't sell crap. What do you mean, crap. guilty? I don't hack. Urgh. Good work. Yes, job well done, team. I just want to say good job to our brand new district attorney, Justin Case. And from me and Captain Chaos, that's your tip of the day to get you on your way. Welcome to Black and Blue, the podcast that's just for you. We bring solutions to everyday problems. We are here to humanize the badge. By interviewing first responders and discussing their trainings, experiences, and publications. Black and Blue airs weekly at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Tune in. Welcome to Black and Blue, the podcast that brings you the untold stories behind the badge. Every week at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, we dive deep into the lives of our unsung heroes. The first responders and law enforcement officers who put their lives on the line to protect us all. So join us as we humanize the badge. We shed light on the incredible individuals who wear it proudly. From rookies just starting out on their journey to seasoned vets with years of experience. Even retirees who continue to make a difference in their communities. Come with us and discover the trainings that mold us. unforgettable experiences that make us and the publications that inspire us to push forward. 
So buckle up and get ready to embark on a thrilling journey through the lives of those who protect and serve. This is the heartbeat, black and blue. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of Black and Blue. I'm your host. I'm Coach Clee. I'm Clee Tillman. I'm Clark Tent. I have so many different names and monikers. You know, they say C-L-E-E stands for Continuing Law Enforcement Edutainment with this platform. This is your host, Coach Clee, coming at you. It's your motivational speaker, your empowerment coach, your author, and your favorite baker's favorite baker. And I appreciate all of you tuning in today. We got a great show lined up for you tonight, and we're going to have a lot of fun doing uh, having this interview and learning a little bit more on the, the topics that are going to be covered during this interview, the person who's behind here. Some of you may know him, others of you may not, are not. Uh, we'll have a wonderful intro about him, but we got to get some things out there first. We got to get some things. We're on, streaming on five different platforms right now. We're on two on YouTube, we're on two on Facebook, and we're on one on LinkedIn under the various names that I just said. So if you haven't already done so, make sure you tag, like, share, and subscribe. We want to get that algorithm going because we want to get that information out there. All right. This is Black and Blue. This is the podcast that airs at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time weekly, except for this week. We're actually got a double header. We're going live today and we're going live tomorrow. And that's the scheduling part on my my part. But that's for the week that we missed when I was in Texas. So therefore, we're going to have a lot of fun uh, bringing this uh, bringing this information to the forefront. All right. Make sure you guys hit that like button. Like I said, uh, this platform is also uh, sponsored by One Way Publishing. One Way Publishing. You don't see it now. Let me get that banner going. Uh-oh, wrong banner. Let me get this banner right there, workwithclee.com. It's a sponsor for the platform. One Way Publishing, their motto is they can take a mere thought and turn it into a book that's bought. I wrote five books. Uh, a few of them are behind me. They also have clients that made their dreams come true as well. The latest books that came out in, in this past uh, December, one of them is Kay Childs, her poetry book right there. She made finally made her dream come true with making her poetry book hit the shelves. And the other one is To Be So Tall, a mother and daughter duo uh, got to publish their first children's book and that's hitting the ground running. And that's uh, the schools are, are tearing that up right now. Not only that, Starting to Be Safe is from One Way Publishing. So if you're interested in doing a voiceover, workwithclee.com is the platform that you guys want to use, all right? Uh, if you're interested in actually being on the show, the same website will get you, you can interact and we can schedule you a time to get you on the show. This is the show where we go live with first responders and or law enforcement officials, whether they're rookies, seasoned or retirees. And when we go live, we talk about their training, their experiences and their publications. And like I said, this show's not gonna fall short of it. Uh, we got uh, Michael Seagrew, he's backstage. I'm gonna introduce him momentarily. We got a, a video clip 
uh, from uh, a, a YouTube documentary that he would not only him, but uh, many other first responders were featured in. So going to show that, do his intro, and we're going to bring him to the stage. He's also the author of, if you haven't already done so, you got to get the book. It's available on uh, Amazon, but Relentless Courage. He's the co-author, uh, also authored by Shauna, Dr. Shauna Springer, PhD, and it's a great book. Trust me, I, I got done listening to the audio book on Audible. Uh, you will not regret it. Uh, we're going to dive in more about that and more about him momentarily. So get those likes up and let's check out this uh, a montage of the collection of clips from this documentary that's on YouTube called Residual. All right, stand by. All of a sudden, the male takes the knife and comes up and starts coming down the stairs. We all fired a weapon. I didn't know if he'd been hit. I didn't know who had been hit, what happened. Next thing I know, he's at the bottom of the stairs, and I don't see any blood. I don't see any injuries. But I can see he's got the butcher knife still clenched in his right hand. And we're telling him, drop the knife, drop the knife. And he starts to come back up with the knife. We both fired our weapons and he was killed instantly. I mean, he had devastating wounds. His eye was gone. I mean, I knew at that point he had been hit. There was blood everywhere. And it was that moment that forever, forever changed my life. I remember just constant, constant nightmares. Um, but I also remember that I wasn't able to go to sleep. I didn't want to go to sleep because I didn't want these nightmares. Night terror. These things. We joke about them. And it's, it's gallows humor, but that's a survival technique where we literally detach ourselves from these horrific incidents and just joke about it and pretend like it doesn't affect us. All of these enabling behaviors make the symptoms much, much worse. And they end up causing much more damage, not only to you mentally, physically, but to our loved ones. You know, I made a lot of mistakes, and one of the biggest mistakes was that I never talked about the job to my spouse at the time. And I had this belief that if I kept the job separate from my family, it would somehow protect them. So I truly believe that you can recover and heal from post-traumatic stress injury. But the facts are that residual symptoms will be with you for the rest of your life. The key is knowing how to address them. That's the true difference. We need to truly, truly care about each other. And that means knowing each other and stepping in and standing up when we need to. We're not doing that and we need to do a better job. It, and we need to change the culture. We need to start in the police academies and we need to carry that on at every single level of leadership in our agencies. Film has a story. The power is that if we all share our stories, we can all truly make a difference. And I've already seen it starting, but we have to carry this torch on. We need to continue it. But things are changing. Things are getting better. And I know for a fact we are saving lives every single day. I know you think you're alone and you're suffering in silence. And the fact is I waited far too long. I waited four years of suffering in silence, ashamed, embarrassed, thinking there was no one out there that would understand it, no one out there that would be able to help me. But I'm living proof that you can get better. I have a whole new life now, and you can too. And all you have to do is raise your hand and ask for help.
powerful, ladies and gentlemen. And just from that, you can tell that this interview is going to be dynamic. It's going to be another barn burner. What I did forget to mention is the five platforms we're streaming on. I can't see who's on here. So if you're looking for a shout out, put your name and where you're from in the comment section. I know the last interview, the LinkedIn post, all not all of them made it through on the um, on the platform, but we will acknowledge your comments and um, and your shout outs as as we normally do. I see a former guest Ernie Stevens is here. Hey, buddy, looking forward to a great conversation. Absolutely. Thank you for tuning in. And we also have Nathan Ramos. Uh, Mike is a great guest. His book has been a big help to a lot of people. I believe it. I believe it. And yes, I, I mean, just from listening to it myself, I was talking to him backstage and just from seeing the amount of influence has had, the amount of people he spoke to, I know it's had a tremendous effect here in the law enforcement community and first responder. But without further ado, I'm going to bring him to the stage here. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, if you don't already know, he's already, he's been in the Air Force. He was in Air Force Security Forces, a Phoenix Raven, which is one of the elite of the elites. He, with that, he's done... Um, security and done patrols he's a retired patrol sergeant where he's uh trained with driving evoc with his driver tra driver training he's done fto field training officers for those of you those of you that don't know been a detective been undercover been on the narcotic task force ladies and gentlemen currently he has co-authored his book that we had just featured right here relentless courage co-authored along with uh dr shauna springer phd which he talks about his experiences his family's issues uh suicide ideations or those that had suicide ideations peer assistance alcoholism and so many so much more and we're going to dive into that right now ladies and gentlemen boys and girls without further ado i'm going to bring him to the stage mike are you there i'm here Perfect, perfect. Let me get this banner going. I'm sorry, Michael. Michael Seagro, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I appreciate you coming on the show. I appreciate you uh, making yourself available. I can't wait to dive into this interview. But before we do that, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, please? Absolutely. So born and raised in the San Francisco Bay Area, uh, graduated college in 98, went straight into the Air Force as a security mm -hmm. forces officer, did six and a half years active duty, served all over the world from Europe, South America, Middle East. I uh, got out as a captain in 2004, went straight into civilian law enforcement. Mm -hmm. It was my, my lifelong dream um, ever since I met my stepfather. He's the reason why I became a police officer. And my career was literally off the charts. I mean, everything was mm -hmm. going perfect until that one night, that one fateful night when I was involved in a very traumatic incident. And that incident wow forever changed me it changed my path but thank god i'm here today and i'm on a mission to smash that stigma when it comes to talking about mental health gotcha gotcha i know that seems like that's the buzzword but it's important because that information is getting out there mental health is highly important because like i said before backstage and i know you're on a crusade as well so very similar crusade is you want to see guys not only just make it through the job but survive the job uh ha have uh, come out of the job better than they entered the job and still have life when you retire. You don't, you know, we always hear guys that don't make it because suicide is uh, law enforcement officer's number one killer, or that once we finally retire between three to five years, we're, we're out of here anyway. And that's just not fair after we give a, a lifelong of service. Absolutely. And it's a fact. It's an undisputed fact that we are much more likely to die by our own hands than the hands of another and, and most you know we're aware of it but most of the public is not aware of this and right. you know we spend our entire careers training for the fight right the fight against the, the criminal or the bad person on the street but how much time do we spend you know protecting ourselves 
mm-hmm. from our own selves, right? And that's what we need to focus on. We need to make our mental health, our physical health, a number one priority. Absolutely. Got a couple comments on the floor from Matt Speakman. Uh, I know Michael is a true mentor and has devoted his life to saving others. A must-have book. Absolutely. And thank you for your service from Jamaica. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Tag, like, and share. Thank you, guys, for tuning in. Uh, before we start getting hot and heavy in the interview, I know you featured um, your father father figure in the book. Uh, how has he been an inspiration to you uh, in the earlier years of your, your life and um, your career as a law enforcement officer? So my stepfather, Mike Gormley, he's the one that the book is dedicated to. Mm-hmm. He came into my life very early on and he okay. literally was, he was my hero. I looked up to him in every single way and he was in law enforcement. Um, he started mm-hmm. out with the Sausalito Police Department here in the San Francisco Bay Area. And at mm-hmm. eight years old, I was actually a police volunteer. And mm-hmm. I knew from that moment on that this was my path. This is what I wanted to do. And so in uh-huh. high school, he had switched departments and I became a police explorer for the Richmond police department. And, you know, my whole life I aspired to be like him to do what he did. And, and he's a cop's cops. I mean, to this day, he's one of the greatest men, the greatest cops, the greatest fathers I've ever known. And, and I owe everything to him. And and unfortunately I lost him at the height Mm -hmm. of all my trauma, literally where my life was spiraling downward. He died suddenly from cancer. And, and wow. it was horrible, absolutely horrible. But I'm here to, you know, to remind people of who he was and let his memory live on. And he's still saving lives today. <laughs> nice. I, I like how you dedicated the book to him. Not only a mentor, but a, a person who has passionately uh, helped uh, change the course of your life and mold you and what's going on. What, who you are today. It's unfortunate, though, again, that uh, his passing was at a, such a time when you probably needed the most. Um, I know uh, it, it when, when it rains, it pours. And listen to some of the, the trauma and tragedies in the book, I, I felt for you. And um, I, I, well, I, I started off, I think the one, uh, there's a lot of things that hit me the most, uh, but one especially um, was when you got the phone call when I, I, you were with your daughter at Disneyland uh, and you, you were trying to just have a moment uh, between you and her and have a great weekend and your weekend was ruined because you got a phone call from um, a former superior officer um, basically uh, trying to either find your whereabouts or get, get you to come in early while you're while you were off of work and not working yeah so this is what we talk about as admin betrayal or institutional betrayal and this is one of the big themes that we talk about in the book doc springer and i and to put things in perspective you know after my my fatal officer involved shooting and then going through a four-year federal lawsuit Mm. i got to the point where literally i didn't want to be here i literally wanted to die in the line of duty and i started purposely putting myself in dangerous situations hoping I got killed wow. and eventually one of my best friends and he has his own chapter in the book John Davidson Vietnam veteran 35 year reserve officer he tried mm-hmm. to kill himself when I was on duty but mm-hmm. that was my wake-up call because a month after that I finally got the strength and courage to ask for help I'd been suffering in silence for four years literally losing everything and so I was on my journey of recovery I was several months into my journey I've been going to weekly meetings. I was seeing a therapist. I'd gone through the West Coast post-trauma retreat, just doing all these great things, making progress, right? Because my goal Mm -hmm. was to always go back to work. Mm 
Right. And while I was the West Coast post-trauma retreat, we had like a 90-day plan, a year plan, a three-year plan, and so on. Mm. And one of my things on my plan was that I needed to spend some quality time with my daughter and make real memories with her because I had become so obsessed with taking pictures and selfies because I thought I was going to die. I had a constant fear of dying and this fear that my daughter would not know who her father was, that she would never remember me. And so on Father's Day weekend of all weekends, wow. finally, I'm, yeah, I'm going through a horrible divorce. Mm-hmm. I mean, literally, I'm trying to step up as a single father. And mm-hmm. I'd never even taken my daughter out of the county, much less down to Los Angeles, right, to go to Disneyland. But this was what she wanted to do. And so mm-hmm. I picked her up. I surprised her. Her bags were already packed. Had her Mickey Mouse ears. Put them on. I said, hey, baby girl, we're going to Disneyland. And, and you should have seen her light up man i mean i still remember her smile today and so we're going down there and almost i'm almost down there now this is on a friday i get a call you know from hr and one of my administrators and it sounds like they're just checking it on me it's a voicemail like hey want to yeah. see how you're doing see how yeah. the treat was when you get this give us a call back nothing urgent mm-hmm. and so i just left it at that i'm like hey i'm here to focus on my daughter you know it's the weekend this is what it's about well the next morning we're getting ready to go to disneyland and we're having Mickey Mouse pancakes across the street from the hotel. Wow. And now I get another call. And it's my administrator. And this time his voice and tone is totally different. And so I apologize to my baby girl. I say, look, we got to go back to the hotel. I got to call my boss. I got to see what's going on. And as soon as I call him, you know, he doesn't ask where I'm at, what I'm doing. But he knows because I put it all over social media. And he's asking me, like, how things are going. And, and I'm sharing everything, man. I'm, like, pumped up. I'm like, hey. Sir, I'm making progress. I'm doing all these great things, you know? And he's like, well, when are you going to come back to work? And I was like, man, you know, I I don't know. I don't have like an exact date, but I can tell you that's my goal. That's what I'm going to do. And a little bit further in the conversation, it it, it turns and he starts asking about, have I thought about retiring? You know, have I thought about putting up the badge and and calling it quits? I was like, sir, that's not something I've ever thought about. Like, this is all I know. This is what my calling is. My life is yeah. about, you know, yeah. no, I'm not going to retire. Like I'm going to get better. Yeah. And, and that, that phone call started a series of events where literally my agency and specifically this administrator turned their back on me when I needed them most. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it, that's the thing is like, we don't talk about this, this is like the, the, the dirty elephant in the room, right? Nobody wants to acknowledge what's uh-huh. really going on with our agencies. And this, in my opinion, when our agencies, our blue family, our red family, our green family, when they turn their back on us, when we need them most, that's yeah. what pushes us over the edge in the suicide. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, thank you for sharing that. I know that's not it's not easy to share uh, information that's uh, personal and vital to yourself uh, that involves your former department, that involves your family and involves a situation, a uh, true situation. Uh, I kind of uh, jumped the shark a little bit. Uh, but I want to take a step back. Do you remember um, the how long you've been? You were well when the situation happened, where um, that kind of gate that there was the traumatic situation. Um, how long were you in law enforcement at that time? So at that point, I had done six and a half years in the United States Air Force as a security mm-hmm. forces officer, which is law enforcement. Right, and then I had eight years on my civilian career. So we're talking about 14 and a half years total law Mm -hmm. enforcement. I was a brand new patrol sergeant. It was my Mm -hmm. second solo shift. Shift started the day after Christmas. 
And that's where I was involved in a very traumatic shooting where literally we had to take a life, not only to save our lives, but yeah. the lives of a couple that were barricaded inside their bedroom. And we talk about this incident in full detail in our book, Relentless Courage. But mm -hmm. that incident was my tipping point. And it's not just that incident. What people need to understand is yeah. that up to that point, I, like all law enforcement officers and first responders, you know, firefighters, paramedics, dispatchers, I'd been exposed to hundreds and hundreds yeah. of traumatic incidents. But I didn't talk about them. I didn't process right. them. Right. I just kept them in. I locked it in and they built up mm -hmm. and built up. And that shooting was my tipping point. That's where my jar started to overflow. It was just too mm -hmm. much. And so with that being your tipping point, um, what? how did that affect you? How did it affect you personally? How did that affect your family? How did that affect uh, your mental well-being, mental health, and things along those lines? How did you start knowing uh, there, there were signs and symptoms of that something was wrong with you? Well, I made some mistakes early on in my career and, you know, I told myself that I would never bring work home. I would never talk about yeah. work. And so I didn't have that healthy, established communication at home. And so when this incident happened, you know, I didn't share anything. I didn't divulge anything. I just kept it locked inside instead of talking to my spouse at the time and mm -hmm. letting her know what was really going on inside of me. Because, you know, literally I went from all those years of law enforcement in the military having a feeling of just invincibility and in a split second that was taken away from me and i had a constant fear of dying and then i started having constant nightmares this face of this man that tried to kill me i couldn't get it out of my dreams literally wow. it's like you know I, I couldn't fall asleep so i started drinking too much trying to pass out and then when i went to sleep i was having nightmares and it was just this vicious cycle just repeating itself and I started isolating myself. I wasn't talking to anybody. I didn't want to go to social events. I didn't want to go to family functions. Mm -hmm. I literally just wanted to be in a dark room by myself, just hoping this was some nightmare, something that was going to go away. Well, mm -hmm. eventually that led to my marriage just falling apart. I mean, it got to the mm -hmm. point where then I was getting divorced, right? So, you know, things are happening at work. Things are happening at home, starting to have health issues. I mean, literally just everything is starting to fall. Mm -hmm. And when you're going through uh, situations at home where you you, you want to isolate yourself, um, you start drinking to, uh, to alleviate the pain. I hear that a lot during um, on, during the, in this occupation uh, firsthand. Officers, they, you know, it's a numbing effect. You deal with so much, you take it in. You don't want to go home and share it you, with the people that you do share it with are usually co-workers and they probably experienced they were there with you or if not they they've experienced similar things so therefore when you are kind of in a quote-unquote normal setting you 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 don't want to be bothered with being angry annoyed isolated or you just want to subdue the thought process or the pain and then you drink or use alcohol to help you go to sleep and then when you go to sleep you know other other area, your subconscious takes over and um, other areas that your mind take over to where you're either having nightmares or you're not sleeping at all. You're not getting good sleep. You're not hitting your REM sleep. Uh, and it's starting to affect uh, how you uh, do work. If you're a, a supervisor, um, you may still be able to be effective on the job, but how are your social skills with your peers and how are your social skills with individuals at, at, at the unit? Did that, did you see any of that, those kind of effects? um being a sergeant absolutely i mean I, you know i got to the point where i just lost sight of 
sympathy and empathy and when you know and i failed as a leader i mean i'm just going to say that because when my people the people i supervised when they had issues or they had things going on you know i remember hearing about it and just thinking to myself like man you guys have no idea what it means to have an issue you know and instead of like listening to what was you know their feelings what they were going through i was thinking about my own trials and tribulations uh-huh. and i was comparing the two and so mm-hmm. really i lost sight of my job as a supervisor to look out for my people and i got mm-hmm. to the point where you know people didn't want to come they didn't want to talk to me i mean people said i was unapproachable you know i was irritable um you know that my standards were way too high i was perfectionist like i was unreasonable and it just was it made them feel uncomfortable and i remember mm-hmm. i even had supervisors of mine that would come to me and say hey you know mike we're hearing from from some people that you know they don't feel comfortable coming to you they don't feel like talking to you and you know they came down on me but they never asked me like you know what's going on with me like what what's going on yeah. at home and how's everything going and so it's that domino effect you know and i think yeah. and i look back even now and i look at like that administrator that i talk about you know i'm mm-hmm. sure he had things going on that he didn't talk about that he didn't mm-hmm. deal with and so i've kind of changed my perspective i've like reframed things when i mm-hmm. when i look at people and, and i don't just judge them i start to think like you know i wonder what's going on with them like what's truly yeah. going on at home or what issues are they having because let's face it we all have issues we all have things that we have to deal with and yeah and you know i wish i would have had that mentality now i mean it's taken a lot of growth for me but now it's like i look at things totally different i'm much more open-minded and I, I don't judge i listen and that's the difference i truly listen and take it in gotcha gotcha gonna acknowledge a couple comments here on the floor got elliot moya uh former guest on the show as well uh, michael Seagrew is a great guy an incredible and engaging speaker relentless courage is an absolute page turner and more importantly helping people i'm proud to call him a friend absolutely and Tim- Timothy Tyndale uh, saying, great interview. Thank you guys for both tuning in. I appreciate you both. I uh, want to jump in. When you um, jump into, uh, once you realized um, that things were, that you were isolating yourself, that that uh, the domino effect was taking place, uh, how did you, did you reach out or were you forced to talk to a peer, a therapist, or what was the first step to actually climb yourself out of the hole? First off, before I answer that, I just want to acknowledge one person. So you you mentioned Elliot Moya, and this man is yep. an active police chief in Maine. And man, if we had more police chiefs like him, <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now, our profession would be in a much better place. I mean, he is Absolutely. a man who who truly cares about his people. He shows compassion. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is man. I, I look <laughs> up to that man. So he, he's a great leader. So I just want to say thank you to him, but. Um, you know, as far as me reaching out, mm-hmm. it was it was my own actions. And, and I remember the day specifically because, as I told you, I'd gone through that lawsuit. The lawsuit drug on for four years. So the mm-hmm. shooting happened December 27, 2012. The lawsuit ended September 2016. Wow. Now, a week after Thanksgiving 2016, that's when my best friend tried to kill himself, John Davison. And thank God he survived. Okay, he's alive today. Nice. And I tell him every time that he absolutely saved my life. But here's what happened. When I was in that hospital waiting for him to come out of surgery, because I, I thought he was going to die. I literally mm-hmm. didn't think he was going to make it. And I felt all this guilt and the shame as to why didn't I see the signs? Why didn't I do something to, mm-hmm. to prevent my own best friend from trying to take his own life? 
But then I started thinking about my, my beautiful daughter, who was only six at the time. And I started mm-hmm. thinking, what's going to be the effect on her when I'm not here? What's going to be the effect on her mm-hmm. when she finds out that I killed myself or that I died in the line of duty? Yeah. And so a month after that, on the anniversary of my shooting, I literally broke down in my car in this parking lot for two hours, just literally just thinking about what a mess my life had become. Mm-hmm. But thank God, I pulled out my cell phone and I finally got the strength and courage. And I called my on-duty watch commander and I just said, look, I can't do this anymore. I need help. And that mm-hmm. decision, that phone call, it changed everything for me. And it led me on the path that I'm on today. I bet. Yes, it did. Uh, Shayla Thompson, she loves the transparency. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so um, what would you say to anyone that uh, may be going through another uh high stressful uh, or traumatic incident while on the job, whether any kind of uh, law enforcement or first responder. I know that it seems like it's happening more more and more uh, as opposed to fewer and fewer throughout the course of the career. Um, And they they we know we all deal with trauma differently. We all deal with it. Uh, What what affects one may not affect another in the same exact way. Uh, But if someone is is dealing with suicidal ideations or just I, I remember uh, hearing you say in your book that, uh, you know, while you're on this traffic stop, if you, you could just easily back up and right on the highway and this car could just easily very take you out and that'd be in the line of duty. And that, it's unfortunate to even let that thought cross your mind. Uh, but not not just you, but it, it, it crosses others minds. And like we talk about, it's hard to discuss. And I know I've been. No, dealing with being a law enforcement officer, I've heard stories, seen stories where we're our own worst enemy, where, uh, again, suicide is our number one killer, and it's hard to deal with and hard to do. What would you say to that officer that is teetering on the verge of reaching out for help? And you know, like any one of us, we are fixers. We don't need fix. So it's hard for us to reach out and ask for help. You know, I look back and at the time I thought, I was alone. I thought that nobody would understand what I was going through. I thought that there's something wrong with me. Mm-hmm. I thought like my feelings were unnatural, like they weren't normal, that it was weakness, that it was shameful. And I had no idea until I finally raised my hand and asked for help, literally how many brothers and sisters out there truly who do get it, who will bend over backwards to help you get through this, to get through mm-hmm. the darkness. You know, I didn't believe in in therapists or psychologists mm-hmm. or clinicians. Mm-hmm. But let me tell you, they saved my life. And there's a thing mm-hmm. called culturally competent clinicians and therapists. Those are the mm-hmm. ones like Doc Springer who mm-hmm. truly understand us. They truly understand what we've been through and they can right. help us. Right. You know, we just need to make sure it's in a private confidential setting. Right. So, you know, the thing is, is like every agency is different. Not every agency is supportive out there, but I can tell you right now, we have tons of resources listed in the back of our book, but there's like things like text lines, hotlines that are free. They're confidential. They're 24 seven. You can literally pick up your phone right now. You can call, you can text. And on the other side of that phone call is going to be another first responder or mm-hmm. a culturally competent clinician. Who's going to understand it. Who's going to help you. Who's going to provide resources to you. Right. And you can do that without anybody knowing about it. Yeah, you know, can. I'm gonna tell you right now is that you're not alone, and I'm living proof that you can get through this. And it wasn't easy, because the longer that you wait to get help, 
in my opinion, the longer it's going to take to get better. But I did get better. You know, there's good days and bad days, but I'm living proof. And I'm going to tell you right now, I'm living a phenomenal life. I have a better life now than I ever did have. And so know you're not alone and know that there's endless resources out there. And if you don't know where to turn, send me a message. Reach out to me. Perfect. Perfect. Thank you. And I think that's a perfect place. We're going to pause for the calls, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Sergeant Be Safe has a couple things to say. Jamaica saying powerful. Thank you for your comment. Yes, it is powerful um, and being transparent. Uh, we're going to come right back. Uh, we're going to jump into uh, your book, Relentless Courage, uh, and talk about that a little bit more. But ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, stand by. Sergeant Be Safe is coming to the stage. Hey guys, Sergeant B. Safe here. Let's take a quick trip down memory lane. You remember that one time Captain Chaos and I met Super Crime Buster? That was a fun day. Or the time we helped the Johnson family against that computer hacker. Yoga? Nah, not for me. Next. Or that time in court with Judge Mint. ADA Justin Case went up against Scott Free, Robbie Blind, Treacherous Tony, and of course Chance Wilder. Treacherous Tony conducting illegal activity at a basketball court. The summer months when we had to educate kids about dirt bikes and four wheelers on the roadway. Robbie Blind attempting a burglary. Yep, he got caught. Frequent flyers Robbie Blind and Chance Wilder, they get caught often. Remember the time Captain Chaos and I visited Miss Gaynor's classroom? Yeah, I think he's got a crush on her. Then there was cuffing season with the smoke detector, no gas, and the free coffee. <laughs> or this poor guy who had to go up against Nasty Nina and her attorney Wacky Tacky. Or how about the time Rob Your Blind and Treacherous Tony got into that traffic accident while drinking and driving? They really thought they were going to run away. These and many more adventures can be seen on our YouTube page and also during the podcast Black and Blue. Don't forget to watch us and subscribe. And that's your tip of the day to get you on your way. back ladies and gentlemen boys and girls thank you guys for tuning in we got special guests michael Seagrew here and we're we just had a, a dynamic conversation about his history and how uh things were spiraling out of control uh while being uh in law enforcement and in in situations with traumatic situations and how to deal with them uh, now we're going to jump into the his book relentless courage where he explains all that uh in depth uh, so if you haven't already done so, make sure you guys, I got mine from Amazon uh, and we'll discuss other places where you can go ahead and make uh, the connection to get content uh, or a copy of the book. But what made you decide to actually want to write a book? Uh, what, what, what was that turning point where you said, you know what, let's go ahead and do this? So it's a great story. So, you know, I owe it all to Dr. Shauna Springer. I mean, she's the one that 
made this book happen and this book is saving mm -hmm. lives but let me let me take you back to right before covid so yep. i didn't know doc springer um she didn't know me but we were both on linkedin and i was always mm -hmm. putting stuff out there as far as like suicide awareness you know mental health and she just sent me a message say hey i'd love to have a phone call with you kind of like learn more about what you're doing tell you about what i'm doing mm -hmm. So we set it up, we're talking on the phone and she tells me about her work with uh, Stella Ganglion Block and that she's, you know, a yeah. clinical psychologist. She's worked with the VA, uh, tons of combat veterans with first responders, with TAPS, Tragedy Assistance Program for Survivors. And then mm -hmm. I tell her my story, right? So I tell her my story that's in the book. And in the book, you know, I go all the way back to childhood until present right. day. Mm -hmm. And after Doc Springer hears my story, she's like, you know, have you ever thought about writing a book? And I kind of laughed. I was like, you know, I've been mm -hmm. asked this before and, and I briefly thought about it. I said, but honestly, with post-traumatic stress injury, I've just, I don't have that drive, that motivation, mm -hmm. that concentration like I used to. And I don't mm -hmm. think I could get a project like that done. So mm -hmm. we leave the phone call at that, you know, we hang up the phone. A couple weeks later, she hits me back up. And she's like, look, Michael, she's like, look, I've heard hundreds and hundreds of trauma stories in my work as a clinical psychologist, but your story, it's going to save countless lives. Mm. And she said, I want to make this project happen. I want to do this book with you. And without even meeting her in person, I knew in my heart this was right. So I said, you know what, let's do this. And then, you know, COVID happens and we literally... We're over a year into this project without ever meeting in person. We we met for Zoom every single week on Zoom, you know, getting this project done. And Doc Springer is a gifted writer. I mean, just phenomenal <laughs> writer, a phenomenal clinician. And without her, this would have never happened. And, and I'm gonna gotcha. tell you right now, what makes this project so unique is that every chapter has two parts, okay? Every, the first part is my story. Mm -hmm. told in my voice all the way back to childhood until present day but the second half of every chapter doc springer comes in she breaks it down explains it in very easy to understand terms mm -hmm. you know she explains like why i'm having the thoughts that i'm having she's explaining why things are affecting me the way they are and the ramifications of that both on myself on my health on my family mm -hmm. But she does it in a way that anybody reading this, I mean, even somebody with no knowledge of a first responder or military member, you're going to finally see the human side behind the badge and behind the uniform, mm -hmm. you know, before this book. And I don't know any other book like it in the world, but you can either get like a gripping, gut wrenching story, right? You can mm -hmm. read that, which yeah. this has, yeah. mm -hmm. or you can go get like a clinical, you know, psychological textbook. But this has everything wrapped up in a one. And that's what makes this book so powerful. And, and this yeah. thing, it's saving relationships. Mm -hmm. It's saving careers. But most importantly, it's saving lives every single day. Absolutely. And I'm glad you touched on that uh, because it is a, the duality of the book itself. You know, you have your story. Then you have uh, her her thoughts on the, the audible version of the book, at least hearing the two different sides come together and, and making it make sense or making a, having a true understanding is great. And I think it's a great idea. Uh, Nathan Ramos even said right here, uh, Shauna Springer, Ph.D. is brilliant. Spoken spoken with both her and Mike and they're both changing lives in their story. And it followed up, but that's why the book is so effective. You get the real world experience, then immediate explanation from the doctor. 
Is there any um you, this book is is helping saving relationship lives and careers? Is there anything that you can share with us on uh, any positive stories that you know of uh, because of the outcome of this book? I literally get messages. I mean, every day, sometimes multiple messages in the day. And, and I'm gonna tell you this right now. Anybody can go on Amazon right now. Look at the written reviews for this book. And I've never mm -hmm. seen it like this for any book out there. People are writing like four or five, six paragraph reviews and they're sharing the personal impact that this book had on them, how literally it changed their life, it saved their life. Um, but one really cool thing that I hear over and over again is that, you know, let's say either a, a spouse or a partner or first responder, they read it first and then mm -hmm. they have their partner read it or vice versa. But when they do that, it kind of tears down this wall. And for the first time, these couples, these partners have been able mm -hmm. to have a discussion, the first discussion in their lives about this subjects, about these topics, because what are the odds that some random guy from California who they've never met, they don't know is telling their story in this mm -hmm. book, right? Because my story, mm -hmm. it's not special or unique. My story is the story of countless first responders, military members, and family members and loved ones of them out there in the world. So that's the thing is that that's why this book resonates with so many people. Yeah. Yeah. And one thing uh, you touched on in the book and some of the podcasts that I've watched of yours over the past couple of days uh, and, and uh, various interviews is um, there's this, and, and we all know it here in the law enforcement community, there's a stigma on uh, PTSD or, or having it uh, uh, being changed to PTSI uh, because of the stigma that PTSD has and the education of it. I mean, it's becoming more to the forefront now, uh, but can you explain a little bit of the transition, the difference between the two and why it's so important to get the stigma out of the way and more education needs to be done, at least for the first responder and law enforcement community on PTSD? Absolutely, so I'm a huge proponent of post-traumatic stress injury versus post-traumatic stress disorder. And let me tell you why, because that single word disorder has mm -hmm. a very negative connotation to it. It makes mm -hmm. you feel like it's permanent, like it's something you're stuck with, that you have no control right. over it, that there's nothing right. you can do, you know, to get rid of it, right? And injury is something that can be treated, it can be healed, there's things that you can do to make it better. And here's the fact. It is a proven fact that exposure to trauma or traumatic events, especially mm -hmm. repeated exposure, like many military members and first responders have, it causes a physical and a chemical change to the human brain. Mm. It's been proven with medical imaging scans. It's an undisputed fact. Mm -hmm. But it's also a fact that there's a number of different things you can do. And we talk about some of these in the book to help heal the brain, to help heal that injury. So, you know, we as first responders, we have no problem when it, when it comes down to it saying, look, like my knee, my back, my shoulder, when it gets to the point where I can't physically do my job anymore, the pain is just so excruciating. And, you know, we can report that, right? We can say, hey, you know what? I just can't do it anymore. I, I need to get help. And right. so they go see the doctor, they get some pain pills maybe, maybe they do some shots, some physical therapy. Maybe they need surgery, right? But there's a game plan, things that they're going to try and do to heal that injury. Well, mm -hmm. the same thing is true with post-traumatic stress injury. And that's why we need to change it. Because that word alone, disorder, is preventing people from saying, hey, look, 
I need to get help. You know, I need to get mm -hmm. better because the fact is you can heal and you can get better. Absolutely. And thank you for sharing that. And you're saying, um, uh, through through the course of that explanation, and you said momentarily uh, a few minutes ago that now that your life is is better, um, I'm paraphrasing, uh, ten times better than what it was uh, when you were in law enforcement or, or with um, in the Air Force itself. Uh, through the course of going through um, some sort of uh, therapy or recognizing what's going on, how what's the other side look like, or what what? What after you you have you're in the rock bottom you're in that that room that's dark and isolated and you want to be by yourself you finally are able to come out that room and you see the light for the first time what what is that like for you? You know, when I was working as a, a police officer when I was in the military, I was so focused on my career. I was mm -hmm. so focused on you know the next special assignment or the next promotion, like always right. thinking ahead. Like I had a game plan that. I was going to be chief of police someday and mm -hmm. I truly sacrificed my family. I literally lost sight of what was most important, what the real priorities were. And through my recovery, you know, now I'm here today. I mean, I'm here physically, but mm -hmm. I'm here mentally. I'm here emotionally. I'm actually present. I'm actually involved. I'm here. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, I, I don't take the little things for granted anymore. You know, I used to take everything for granted. Now right. I don't take anything for granted and every day that i wake up i'm grateful i'm absolutely grateful and i make the most of that day i make the most of the time with my daughter with my girlfriend i mean man i just i wish you know i would have made different decisions when i started my career because i made a lot of unhealthy decisions yeah. and i think people can truly learn from my mistakes you know because here's the deal in this book I lay it out there, the good, the bad, the ugly, and I made a lot of mistakes, mm -hmm. things I'm not proud of, mm -hmm. but I want people to learn from those and make those changes today. Make them right now. Don't mm -hmm. wait like I did. Don't wait to the point where it almost cost your life, where literally I lost my marriage. I almost lost everything. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Again, I know none of this. Um, I know you're a pro at at speaking this now, but I know actually going through it and coming out of it is not easy to e even deal with, let alone talk about. Uh, but it is very be beneficial to talk about it because there's somebody out there that needs to hear this because they're they're going into one, they're in the middle of one, they're coming out of some sort of traumatic uh, event, whether it's uh, work-related at home or, or whatever it can be. So uh, we're here to help. We're here to hopefully be that, that light or that beacon uh, to, to let you know to keep going. Absolutely. Stand by, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Sergeant B. Safe is going to uh, come to the stage, and we're, we're going to get on with the third part of this interview. Stand by. Hi, Ava. Hey, Maya. I don't feel like going home. I don't feel like going home either. What are we going to do? Let's just chill here. Are we allowed to? It's public property, isn't it? Guess what Megan wore to school today? OMG, there's Sergeant B safe. Let's get it on, baby. Cause I'm ready to start. Take a lock off the cage, cause I'm ready to bump. It's late. What are you girls doing here? Ugh, are we in trouble? Trespassing, loitering and prowling, along with curfew violations, are a big deal. Thank you, but I'll take it from here, Captain Chaos. 
Rules are made for a reason. A lot of bad things can go on after curfew. We're gonna have to call your parents. You girls must have snuck out, which is not good. Ladies, thank you for showing up in a timely manner. Just wanna let you know, this will be a warning for them. They can't be out past curfew, especially on private property. Not only that, but they're also loitering and prowling. You two are able to take your daughters home. I know they'll get straightened out. You and Captain Chaos keep up the great work. Thank you, Sergeant. Be safe. We will straighten them out. Well, I'm glad we got that situated. Absolutely. Seemed like a mistake that was innocent enough. I'm glad we got the opportunity to educate the kids and make their parents aware. The work of a public servant is never over. One job down and many more to go. And that's your tip of the day. Get you on your way. There you have it. Sergeant B. Safe in the curfew violation, educating our youth. <laughs> well, we're right back in this interview. We've got Michael Seagru here. We talked about his book, Relentless Courage. We talked about so many different aspects on uh, the highs and lows of uh, law enforcement and first responders and traumatic events and how it, it, it can affect you, your family, uh, your job performance, your attitude, your mental health, and so many different things like that. If you could say one thing, if you could stand on a platform on top of the world with a giant megaphone and you can speak out to any first responder, any law enforcement officer and give them one good piece of advice. What would you, what would that be? What would you say to them? I would say establish relationships with therapists and clinicians and peer support mm -hmm. people now before the big one happens. Okay. Because if you wait for the big incident to happen, it's going to be too late. You know, these right. resources are huge. They do work. They're confidential. They're trusted. Mm -hmm. But build mm -hmm. these relationships now. Get to know these people. So that way, when the big things happen in life, you've got someone you can call, you can turn to, that you can meet with, that you can get things off your chest and just talk to them. Because, you know, people make a big deal about therapy. But all it is is talking to somebody in confidentiality. Mm -hmm. That's all it is. And yeah. even now today, I'm on the other side post-traumatic stress injury but i mm -hmm. still see a therapist every two weeks and mm -hmm. it's not talking about necessarily work things it could be talking about like financial issues or relationship issues health things things at home but you've mm -hmm. got to have somebody that you can go to and get these things off your chest don't keep things bottled in because they're not going to go away they're going to rear their head up when you least expect it and again just you got to trust these things so establish those relationships early on and more importantly than that, your family, your loved ones, your spouses, your people at your home, those are mm -hmm. the ones that truly have your back and establish those healthy lines of communication. You know, mm -hmm. I used to come home pissed off in a bad mood and my family was walking on eggshells because they didn't realize it was something horrific I had to deal with at work. They thought yeah. it was something they did. And so yeah. you got to open up those lines of communication and let them know that, hey, it's not you. You know, here's what happened at work, not graphic details, but here's what happened. I just need some time to decompress. You know, I need, I need a little space 
let me go for a walk let me go for a jog or jump in the shower and then we can we can talk about it we can decompress but establish these healthy lines of communications now don't wait for the big one absolutely that's a good point you touched on a lot of good things i know our guest last week uh eric Gaines, talks about uh we're so used to uh bottling things up and keeping things in and uh dealing with them ourselves and i believe in one of the interviews that i saw uh, i'm sorry the um residual documentary on youtube while watching that someone said it's kind of like those old metallic uh file cabinets that each incident you put a piece of paper in until finally there's no more room and it starts spilling over onto the floor and by then you, the mess is so so big that you, you it's the problem so big that you, you have more problems on your hands um actually talking things through with someone you trust in, in a confidential uh arena uh it's very therapeutic like you just said it's therapy in itself so uh i'm glad you said that i'm glad that you shared that uh because it's not easy to do uh, um, as, as first responders men as people we always like to be private we always like to say we can deal with our own problems until they start spilling over it's important yep, to have a safe outlet it's self-care and it's essential for staying healthy absolutely so through the course of conversation michael and the course of this interview i may have forgot to ask a question or i may have jogged your memory on uh certain topics and areas uh through the um from this podcast itself is there anything that we didn't cover or is there anything that you would like to say to anyone right now right now the floor is yours you know, we've covered most of it, but what I want to say is Relentless Courage. It's a book that literally can change everything for you. Like I've said, it's saving relationships. It's saving careers. Mm -hmm. uh, most importantly, it's saving lives. But here's the thing. If you, know, you don't feel comfortable about talking to somebody right now, about reaching out, you don't want to let people at work know, this is something that you can read or listen to in the privacy of your own home, of your own car, mm -hmm. your own space, wherever you choose to do it. And you're going to realize by reading this that you're not alone, that what you're feeling and going through is actually normal. And Doc Springer is going to explain that. So literally, it's like when you're reading this, you're going to be getting therapy at the same time. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if, if you're on the fence and you're like, you know what, I know I'm struggling, but I'm too embarrassed. I'm too ashamed to talk to anybody. I don't want anybody to find out about this. That's mm -hmm. okay. I understand it. I get it. Mm -hmm. But know that you can listen to this on Audible and it's in our own voices straight from the heart. Mm -hmm. You can read it. But this book, I guarantee you, will change everything for you. And if you do read or listen to it, I want to hear from you. Please reach out to me. I'm on every single platform out there. I check my messages daily and I promise you, I will reply to your message. I will get back to you. That is my promise to you absolutely and like you said um your book is on audible i got mine through amazon of course um if anyone is uh wants to receive a copy of your book how how would the, else would they go about doing that and would you like to put any handles out there if anyone wants to contact you directly how would they get out uh be able to contact you so the book is on amazon it's in kindle paperback hardcover or on audible mm -hmm. um, also it's online at barnes and noble and walmart.com so you can get it on any of those sites mm -hmm. um, if anybody wants to get a hold of me directly just type in sergeant michael sugru s-u-g-r-u-e i'm on facebook linkedin instagram threads i mean even tiktok parlor truth you name it i'm on it so just type in my full name 
and you'll find me. And like I said, add, follow, send me a message. I'll absolutely get back to you. Perfect. Perfect. It's been an absolute pleasure. Like I said, backstage, I was starstruck having you on here. Uh, it was nice to, act, to meet you face to face as opposed to uh, we've been conversating um, either through text messaging or, or emails. Uh, so that to actually have you on here to, to see the, the face behind the voice of the uh, voices I've been listening to for these past couple of weeks. It's such a great honor. Thank you for making yourself available. It's an absolute honor for me. And, and I got to tell you, the guests that you've had, I know a lot of these people personally, but Ernie Stevens, Scott mm -hmm. Medlin, uh, Chief mm -hmm. Elliot Moya. I mean, these are, these are game changers out there. It takes teamwork in this fight. So mm -hmm. I appreciate what you're doing and keep these great Thank guests you. coming. Cause you're rocking it, bro. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. It's guys like you that make it easy for me and all the names that you said are rock stars in here. So I appreciate uh, all of you. I appreciate it. Yes. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, this is another great, tremendous episode of Black and Blue. We had a, 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 a wonderful time uh, going down uh, the highs and lows, uh, first, being a first responder and in law enforcement. We talked about Relentless Courage, the book that was co-authored by Michael Seagrew and, um, and uh, Dr. Shauna Spr Springer. Got the dog, his dog. Hey, go ahead and introduce your dog. Let's put, put him on the screen here. I forgot. I meant to say something. Yeah, this is Maximus right here. So, you know, named after the Gladiator movie. But this guy's more famous than I am. He's got his own Instagram. <laughs> but this is my this is my little man right here. He goes with me to concerts, to Giants games. I mean, you name it. So, you know what? These guys, this is therapy too. And pets help tremendously. But he's been sitting right next to me this whole interview. Not making any nice. noise or nothing. Just Just sitting there next to me. So... Yeah, yeah, I, I forgot that he was there when you introduced us backstage. He wasn't making any noise. I did want to give him a shout. Glad you brought him up. Thank you. Absolutely. <laughs> but we, ladies and gentlemen, we we air at seven p.m. Eastern Standard Time weekly. Uh, we're going live again tomorrow, so make sure you get your questions ready. We will be in here again. Uh, we got a special guest. I want to tell you who he is, but I'm not going to do that because I want to keep you on the edge of your seat and give you a cliffhanger so you can come back when we go live again. Like I say, we go live with the first responder or um, uh, um, someone in the law enforcement community. Sorry about that. Uh, we go live with their trainings, experiences, and their publications, whether they're rookie, season, or retiree. And we're going to keep the, the ball going and having a wonderful time here. I'm Coach Clee. I'm your host, your motivational speaker, your empowerment coach, your author, and your favorite baker's favorite baker. Got one comment here. Yep, it's great live. Absolutely. Thank you for tuning in. Make sure you guys tag, like, and share. Those of you that are watching the replay and have comments in them, we will check the comments. If you have a question, we will go ahead and get to your question as well, even if the live is over. So make sure you guys keep the engagement up. We appreciate it. I'm your host. We had our special guest, Michael Seagrew, and both of us want you to live a tremendously healthy and happy life 10-4 over and out. Have a good night, guys. Hey, who is that? I see you there sneaking around. Oh no! What were you doing behind that building? I was sneaking around. Sneaking around, huh? What's your name? Haven't I seen you before? My name is Bubba Bigfoot. Do you mind taking your mask off? Aha! Just what I thought. I knew it was you, Chance Wilder. You shouldn't lie and give a fake name to the police. Now I'm gonna have to take you in. I'm caught again. I'm glad it wasn't me this time. It would have been a real 
Bumba. You should always be honest, upfront, and courteous when dealing with the police. Otherwise, it causes all sorts of other problems. Wild chances back off to jail. Uh. Subscribe now. I'm not a bad cop. I never once said you were. It would be real simple if the problem was bad cops. It ain't.